Did you ever think you'd find yourself in an executive position running the whole ship by yourself? Our next guest does exactly that quite successfully. Today, we're gonna to talk about her journey from growing up on a farm to getting a degree in criminal justice, a degree that she currently doesn't, in quotes, use, but finds herself in a role that she loves helping hundreds of people on a daily basis. Stay tuned for another episode. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Get Over It podcast. I am your host, Dr. Christopher Fasano. On today's episode, we will be speaking with Vanessa LeClaire from the Empire State Society of Association Executives. I want to remind everybody to go to podcast.overit.com to find all of our previous episodes. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and other pod players to make it more easy for you to get each episode automatically delivered to your device, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Spotify, whatever's easier for you, you can find the Get Over It podcast there. So I want to welcome Vanessa to the show. Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So before we begin and go through your life and the journey and things like that, why don't you introduce yourself currently, where you are um, with, you know, with SA, as we talked about how it's pronounced, and just give a little background to the role there. Sure, sure. Uh, so it's Vanessa LeClaire, Executive Director with the Empire State Society of Association Executives. Uh, short is called SA, uh, not with a Y, but with an E. Uh, I have been there now for about five and a half years, um, coming up on my sixth year, uh, February uh, is when I took over. Um, so it's been a great, a great ride. It is the association for associations. So I kind of sometimes laugh. That's kind of like a pyramid scheme. Association for associations. So quick, we're going to, we're going to come back around towards the end of the show and really dive into what what their mission is and what the role is. But why don't you give us a little quick, you know, uh, brief of what that what the associate what the what SA does and what its main core mission is, and then we're going to talk a little bit about how you got there. Yeah. So as I said, association for associations, because in every state there is an association that represents every industry that you can possibly think of. So SA's goal is to educate, to network, and connect association professionals who run those organizations, so that they are better equipped to serve their clients and their membership base. They're better educated. We just provide them with the tools and the, and the services that they need in order to just make sure that their memberships um, are successful. Okay, so like networking, bringing things together. Has this always been um, a passion of yours, something like that, and interacting like that? Like I'm trying to understand how, you know, this is part of the journey, how you got into that role. Like, you know, be previously before this, did you have similar roles? Did something like this? Well, it's funny what you say that because most people, especially in maybe my age group, you fell into associations. Didn't know that associations were a career path. Okay. There was no schooling back then right. for associations. Okay. There, there is now, I think. There's a lot more now for people to go to college for. Um, but most of us fell into the world of associations, not knowing that it was a career path. Okay. Um, I started my journey as a criminal justice major. Um, so try to you know connect the See dots that? on that one. Yeah. Yeah. So. Take me back to like a younger Vanessa. What were your interests uh, growing up? Um, talk about, are you from this area that we're in Albany, New York, as we're recording this? Are you, are you from this area originally? So I'm about three hours north. Okay. Um, so if you know where Plattsburgh, New York is, I'm about 45 minutes west. Okay. My family is all still there in the middle of nowhere, okay. farm country. So very farm, very mm -hmm. country. Okay. Yes. So how was that growing up? <laughs> well, I only had 70 kids in my graduating high school wow. class. So very small. I think there were only 500 people overall in 
the whole school. Um, so very small uh, farms uh, were. Did you farm? Did you? Did you? We were our dairy farmers. Uh, my father was a dairy farmer. You know, passed down. His family was. My uh, mother's side were potato farmers. Uh, so now dairy farm uh-huh. to sell or dairy farm just to sustain? Just you guys had cow like cows and you did it for yourself or did you have pro- things you produced and sold? Did you sold. go to mostly okay. sold? Okay. Yep. Yeah. From what I remember, I was we moved off the farm when I was fourteen. Okay. So All right. uh, from what I remember. We bailed hay. We we had the cows. We sold everything. Um, it was just on the. So road were you months. out there in the mornings? Like, is that how that rolled? Like, <laughs> no, I, I, I always envisioned like the farms. You know, it's like that four a.m. Everyone's out there. Is it no, like okay. no? Only because I was young. All right. Um, I was in the farm on the farm right. in the barns. Okay. I liked that, but I was not necessarily allowed to be um, bailing hay. I would help. I would try to drive the tractor or okay. drive whatever I could. All but right. I was still young, and my father didn't want me to get hurt, so okay. stayed off. Okay. Of that. All right. Mm-hmm. And. So you then, you, you, you said you moved out from there when you were 14. Mm-hmm. You, where did you go from there? We just moved to another smaller town. Just another town. smaller town? Yep. Okay. And then you went to college somewhere yep. locally or? Went to SUNY Plattsburgh. Okay. So graduated. you stayed up in the area. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you, criminal justice, you said. Yeah. And what was it about criminal justice that, that, that you were drawn to? I think it's because my father's in corrections. He just recently retired. He was 47 years in corrections. And I thought, okay, criminal justice. But it wasn't my first major. I think I changed my major at least four times before I got there. Like a lot of people do. And what were some of the other ones you were thinking about? Uh, First to start off by veterinarian. Okay. Marine biologist. Yes, marine. Bi- <laughs> I want my son to be a marine biologist. I was just talking to him about this the other day. I went to school in the University of Miami in Florida. I mm-hmm. think it's my way of getting him to go there so I can sort of relive my college years down in Florida. I'm like, oh, they have a great marine biology program. Um, and so a- out of college, did you, you didn't go into that criminal justice world r- at all right away? Where, what no. was your first um, sort of step in your career, in your professional career? So first step right out after graduating, um, you know, association world, lobby world was very politically connected. My father knew someone, as we do, and uh, connected me with an association in Albany and said, you know, my daughter's looking for work. Would you be willing to interview her? And that was my first association. So your first job, really, at a school was in an association. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. How would, how does one, how would one describe what an association does if someone was to ask, like, what is an association in general, you know? So associations represent a subset of people or an industry. So if you are like the funeral directors, um, so they they need someone to represent them on advocacy and education, provide them with best practices. So it's very it's very niche in certain ones. The realtors is another okay. great organization. Yep. Um, the spawn salon, a bowling association, like everybody has something. How does, I'm curious, how does a, an association be born? How, like in other words, can someone just say, I want to create an association? Yes. Okay, so there's no established like, you have to, there, are there regulations as to there what? There are. Okay, there are. Yep, so there are, associations can be a 501c6, a c3, there's different different ways to organize okay. it. It could be all volunteer okay. based, or it could be have paid staff. Okay, um, but, they but it's not have, a union, correct? It's not? No, it's okay. like a union. They okay. always kind of, if you are looking to look at it and compare it, it'd be very similar to a union. Okay, mm-hmm. the, but what would be like a major difference? Unions, you people pay dues on, but people pay to be an association, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a difference on how they lobby on the behalf of their members, Correct. maybe? Is that what so it is? It's, so associations are more about the education. I see. Like, okay, providing education and mm-hmm. resources for people within that Correct. group. Okay. All right. And so then you you stayed in associations as you, as in your career, you just moved from different ones? I did. Okay. Yes. Anyone in particular that you, you know, that 
that was particularly difficult or you particularly enjoyed? So I've done, I've been with three organizations, SA being my third association. Um, my longest stint was with the Independent Power Producers of New York, which was, I was there for 15 years. Okay. Um, and that one represented the power industry in New York State um, Trade so, Association. So pretty big? Very big. Well, it had six staff members, okay. um, but definitely represented. But the members, like there was a lot. Very big okay. Member, yeah. So it's interesting. I try to always think about how people grew up and relate it to or to what they do like later on in life mm-hmm. to see if there's any connection. You grew up in a very small uh, place on a, on a farm, not like what, you know, um, you know, and you end up in associations representing a lot of members and, and providing those resources. What did, did, do you feel that anything that you've learned, like, I, I, I don't know if it's more of a, and you, you grew up as a more of an independent person. You didn't have as many people around you in such a small place. Do you learn any skills you think differently there that might have helped you or might have steered you or prepared you for what you do now or in, in helping people or groups of people? Um, you know, I think it's just, I was very independent, worked very autonomously, um, you know, always a go-getter, wanted, in college I had three jobs, so okay. always wanted to make my mark and move and help and, and be there. And I and I think as I journeyed through associations, I realized I first really liked the meetings and events side. I was very drawn to it, the hospitality sector. Um, so I worked really hard to become into the director of meetings and events, earned my CMP um, in that area. Um, thought that, all right, this is where I'm going to go. I am going to stay. Here's my box. Yeah. I'm going to work in meetings and events. Yeah. That's going to be my next step. Um, after spending so much time um, with my second association, I was, lo- you know, I was looking for the next step. What's next in my career? And, and somebody said to me, when I was interviewing for a meeting-specific role, why would you want to put yourself in this box, Vanessa? You deserve to look outside of that. Don't put right. yourself Not in just such. in that one piece. Correct. You have so many other things because associations, we wear so many hats because they're usually small staff, less than five people. Right. You wear about five different hats. Right. You do a lot of different things. Yep. Um, so she said to me, like, why would you, you know, think outside of the box? You know, yeah. what, where else can you put your skills to work? Um, and have you ever thought about an executive director role? And um, with those meetings, I'm just curious, like meetings are a big part of associations. Huge part. And this is, it's interesting as we come out of a world uh, situation where there were no meetings um, during the pandemic. Um, I feel like those sort of things might be taken for granted a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I recognize the value of being around humans and getting together and, and having meetings. Did you, you must have seen that through this pandemic time and how that affected associations? It was a huge impact. Yeah. Associations were really hurt um, because a lot of them depended on this like big annual meeting, right. SA included, and those got canceled. Their regularly scheduled meetings went virtual or, or they were canceled or they were moved to 2022, 23. Um, so that was a huge budget Mm-hmm. Financial right, because, because that that is a major source of revenue, mm-hmm. I would imagine. Right, yes. these these meetings. That is where associations build their budgets around is events and training and education of their members. So, talk to us about how you got over that, right? I mean, and helped your at the associations. Did they have to all pivot? Try to pivot to like online did they did they did they do virtual meetings did that not pan out what what was that a little bit like yeah we we saw that we actually our membership grew some because people were looking for, for resources right for help yeah mm-hmm. how is SA doing this so that we can learn from them and take that back to our 
organizations and use that. Um, so when we first switched, we were trying out different types of technology. You know, we had never used Zoom before, and then everyone's using Zoom. And then we're trying out different types of hybrid, and but everybody really was yep. behind a camera. But what kind of equipment are you using? You know, wh where can I find this? And, and suddenly webcams were a hot commodity. Um, you couldn't find them anywhere. Couldn't find them, no, I know, no. I know, yeah. Um, so that's what essay was for. I mean, we, our members would come to us looking for that guidance. How do I, what's, what are you doing? You know, how can you um, support me during this time? So how, do, tell me how that works. Like, so you have a lot of these different associations and they have all different missions. I mean, they have maybe a core Maybe there's a conserved mission amongst associations, right? But they individually have their own, you know, like little niche and things. Mm -hmm. how, does that, how does that come to essay in a way where you can help them individually? But obviously that model, there's so many associations. How many associations in, in New York? There are thousands. Right. So how, do you, how does that how do you handle all of the different needs as they come in? Are, are there requests made? Like, and they say, can you help? How does, how does the structure work? They all have different needs, obviously, because they all serve different right. industries. However, associations in general all have very, like, they're very specific, right? We have to run by these set of rules. We have to know these set of, of things. Right. We have to know about HR. We have to know about budgets and finances and, and how to do an audit and how to run an event. And those things kind of have standards throughout. Um, so they come to us for, for those resources. Okay. So we can provide that to them um, so that they use those tools to run their businesses. Okay. Um, so there's really a, it's a business tool for them. Not, okay. We're not training them to help to learn more about their membership. Right. That's what they do. Right. You're just providing them, I see, like more of that high mm -hmm. level. To, I got it. Yeah. Okay. So talk to me about um, executive director role. So for people that are listening to this, um, you know, younger people or people in their careers, tell me what that role is like. Um, what does it entail, mm -hmm. you know, and what is your day-to-day -day like? So for me, I'm a single staff person, so it's different for everybody, but in a leadership role, you really are, you're working with a board of directors um, who are volunteers for the most part, um, who help guide the strategic plan for your organization. Um, you're working with volunteers who serve on committees. SA has like 10 to 12 committees okay. currently um, with a numerous volunteers underneath that. Um, and then we, it's just all the things. There's, you're just learning about. You're e running every facet. Every of facet it. of yeah. running a business right. comes under an executive director. And so, is this your, this is your first position in a leadership role like this? You've had others. I'm wondering. I guess my question is, what is it? What was it like to transition there? I mean, a lot of people in their careers that are listening to this aspire to grow and get to that level. But with every you know, with every level people go up, there are different and sometimes more responsibilities that are that are mm -hmm. harder and take you maybe away from some of the, you know, those day-to-day -day things that you enjoy. We were talking about me in science and how uh, my, my day was just filled writing grants, which is not really what my true passion was, but as you rose up, you had to do those things in order to keep the business or the, or the lab running. How did you transition to that and talk a little bit about how that was different? So that was, it was quite a transition because you are responsible for the, outcomes of this organization right. and where it's going and right. you're, you are kind of guiding the ship and guiding these conversations and your board and you're helping everybody um, with the strategic plan of your organization. Um, you know, I, it's, it is hard. You start to kind of think, well, I really like this, but you have to do 
all of the things in order to make it make the organization run effectively. Um, and especially if you are a small staff, you're probably not going to be able to focus solely on right. one thing any right. longer. Right. But you get to have a hand in, if you have staff that are working on that, helping them. Um, I find it really uh, enjoyable that, you know, it gives me a lot of... Um, uh, just makes me feel good that when people come to me, I'm like, okay, I'm really looking to do this. How do I get here? What's the next step? And it's, it's education. We train people so that they can take, uh, as, as you probably saw, have a CAE designation. Yep. So it's a certified association executive. And that is the main training for taking that next step. A lot of people do it. Um, and well, when they're already in the leadership role or they're looking to be in that leadership role, because it gives them an overview of what um, a CAE or a CEO in this world looks like okay. and where you take that. So you said you're a single staff member, mm-hmm. meaning it's just you? It's just me. Okay. It was, and it was always that like when you, no. No, it was not always that way. It, COVID, of course, there's another challenge yeah. of COVID. Um, we had to make some challenging decisions um, and we cut back. We okay. had, it was myself and another person and, okay. and budget wise, and because we had canceled all of our programming in person, we had to make some tough decisions about where we were going to be able to save money. Okay. Um, and that it came at a cost, you know, to me because now it's it's me. Right, right. Uh, but I have a really strong board, and they were very supportive. And we wound up um, being able to apply for the triple P yeah. funding and and some of the other resources that were out there. It didn't come right of way, so we you know we had to make some decisions leading up to it. Thankfully, we were able to um, qualify for a lot of these programs, which has helped us maintain okay. the rest of 2020 and into 2021. But you said you did see some some stuff grow during the, the, the pandemic time, and you yeah. said it was because people were just looking for help in ways. So I always find that to be really human, if you will. Like I, I have another podcast that I host in mental health, a mental health podcast. And what I found during the pandemic was my lessons almost doubled. And, you know, to me, what was so heartfelt about that was that here people are struggling in a time where people struggle and it showed me that people are looking for help in some way. Like they're looking for an outlet to make themselves feel better or they're looking for you know something that's there. So it seems like that was the case in some aspects that people were like, I don't know what to do here. Let's turn to someone who's des- someplace like Essay that's designed to help. Absolutely, and we we did see a lot. Some associations come on because they had not been members before, but they saw what we were doing. We were pushing things out onto social media. We are very active. Um, we wanted to provide people with the resources, and we were offering a lot of free webinars and access to members and non-members, so that people could see that we're a resource. We're here for you right. throughout this difficult time. Right. It's not to say that we didn't experience a loss. We certainly right. did. Of course, um, a lot of members were not able to renew. They, can, right. they had to drop. You know, we understand that. We're hopeful that when things, when 2022 comes around, that it'll be better, that yeah. they'll see that things will change in their business. They'll be able to come back. Um, so what are some, tell me a little bit about some current initiatives SI has going on right now. Um, maybe how some of those have changed since the pandemic. Are they temporary? Are you planning, you know, just just what are, what is the current currently going on there and what does it look like going forward? Yeah, our first, um, we're back in person finally um, after nice. canceling all of our in-person events. Um, we're ready to get off of Zoom and and from behind 
and the Zoom filters. So we're having, uh, September 14th, we're having our first in-person event, which had been canceled last year, and it was a major revenue source for us. So we've actually revamped um, the show with the help of our program and trade show committees okay. and our board of directors. Um, we've changed the format of the show and, and changed some of the focus so that it just it's going to look different, and, and it's going to be it's going to be an adjustment, um, but we hope that that moves us forward and, and kind of takes that show in a different direction in the years to come. Um, so we're very hopeful that things stay positive and, and that everyone comes to this program um, and gets back together. I think people are um, really looking forward to being back in person. There's some pent-up demand to get back yeah. in front of clients yes. and to be together again because it's really what SA uh, communicates is the sense of community and togetherness and people become very close friends. And they reach out to each other, their colleagues for resources and help. Like, I heard you're having this. We have a, you know, we have a community forum. So it's it's always been. We've been around for 40 years, and and it's been a very close knit community for the whole time. Okay, um, so. I would like to I like to ask guests this as you know we, we talked a little bit before we started the interview that life is never really a straight line journey uh, it was not for me so it's not like that for most I, I imagine if I, I would ask people they would say it wasn't for them um, in your journey of life and where you are in your career um, what are some things that you would say that have helped you get over obstacles get over things that you encountered what are some some values that you try to live by to help see you through in like, especially, you know, and the pandemic is always a good test. That's an extreme, but in a day to day, um, what are some of those things that help you get over it and get through it and get to the other side? I think one of the biggest things for me is, as having a group of people, like-minded people that I can trust. That's like this circle, this, this smaller community. If you can believe it, there's an association that represents the Association for Associations. Um, but there's a, there's a community that I really uh, enjoy being a part of that understands what I do on a day-to-day basis that is not part of the SA membership. And to have them has been a huge resource that I can go to, go to the people within this group and bounce ideas off of and say, are you struggling with this? And you know, maybe there's a shoulder to cry on because you're just trying to get through the day and they get it um, from a different perspective than maybe my board or, or members do. Yeah, you see, I feel like, you know, as humans, we have to be able to, we can't do it alone. I, 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 as, much as, I, as much as people will say, or the world looks like we're going into these, like people say, everybody's receding back to be alone in their own places behind their walls. And, you know, on their computers, we don't need to be out. We're not social anymore. I disagree. I think why, why even though there's a tendency to do that, I don't think that we'd be able to survive Mm-mm. and get over things and get through problems by ourselves. We're not, we're not like that by design. And it's really important. You talked about an exchange of ideas and being able to, I just did a show on accepting criticism or being able to listen to the other side. I feel like that's something we're losing nowadays. And I know at over it uh, here, it's one of the things that I love about here is that they're not afraid, the people that I work with, to tell me, um, push back on my ideas, you know, and say, like, why do you think that? Why do you think this is the best thing to do? And they're not doing it to belittle me or to knock me down, but because we have a common goal of advancing our client or the job at hand. And if you're not willing to listen to that or even go out and seek that, I feel like you're never going to be able to grow. So you, so you do have those outlets and you feel like that is something that has helped you. I do. And, and, and not only that, I have a, you know, I have my professional outlets, but Correct. I also have my personal right, ones. Personal, yep. And I, I think one of the ones, and people do always, they always want to know about my rabbits, right? So I always have to bring oh, them yeah, into the conversation. Talk about your rabbits. 
<laughs> yeah, they, they I have read actually... this in your bio. You know, we got to talk about the rabbits. So go ahead. I can't, you know, can't have a conversation without bringing them in. My husband is probably like, oh, there she goes. She's there talking about this. There goes. You get the rabbits. <laughs> um, but they really have been a, a big help. And, and I enjoy them so much because they bring joy into my life during a time where it was, it's really hard during COVID and a pandemic. And, and now I have all these rabbits and I've seen... I signed up, uh, I volunteer for a group called the Rabbit Resource. Okay. Um, so they're an all-volunteer group that rescues and trains people on how to adopt uh, house rabbits. Uh, so I have had probably, I think now, 27 rabbits that have come through. I am uh, have a litter. So when you take them in, you don't you keep them all or you like, then they go out They stay somewhere. with me okay. and I, so I foster them okay. and then they go out and they get adopted. Okay, all yes. right. So this is like farm. This is like farm girl coming back around now in the days. So um, you just love rabbits? Like where it just... Like- I had rabbits when I was younger. I, I don't... And everyone, I've, I've been asked before, like, well, how did you decide you were going to foster rabbits? I don't even have an answer. I will, it was I, just like, I, it just happened, right? I literally went down a rabbit hole on the internet one go. day. And I said, oh, you know, fostering a rabbit might be a good idea. And it's like different kinds of rabbits. So this is the thing. I know nothing. I see, I've noticed in my yard, rabbits cycle. Like when I first moved into my house 10 years ago, there were a ton of rabbits, really cute. They were small, all different sizes. Then the rabbits sort of like went away for a while. And then all of a sudden now the rabbits are back. Um, are there different kinds of rabbits? There like, are so many different are, breeds. Right? There's there's probably 60 breeds of rabbits. There's a lot. Most of the ones, the, we are not like it's not a specialty breed, it's mixed. They're, you know, like what you would find, like cats and dogs are just mixed breeds. Um, but do they do this like dogs? Like, like you know, like I, I've learned like with dogs and probably cats, I don't know more, but mostly dogs. They, they have all these crazy breeds of dogs. They're bred out, they're very pure. You go, you, people travel to like random places to find this breed. Do they do that with rabbits? I or? believe they do. And wow. 4-H and, and fairs, you probably saw a lot of like high school kids um, showing their rabbits at the fair or like at the Altamont Fairgrounds and stuff like that. You'll see the show rabbits. Um, they have show rabbits. Show rabbits. And how big can rabbits get? Big? So the Flemish giant could get to probably 15 plus pounds. Ooh, yeah, that's a, that's big, a rabbit. big rabbit. That's a big, ear, big ears, yeah. like floppy ears. You, yep, big ears. I'm, well, I haven't have a, oh have not had a Flemish. Um, most of my rabbits have not exceeded probably seven or eight pounds. And where do you keep these rabbits? So normally they're upstairs, but I just had a litter that I was fostering. So that was eight rabbits total, the mom and seven babies. So they're down. We have a finished basement. So they're down okay. there. They have All the right. whole area okay. for themselves. What's like gestation period for a, a, a rabbit? 30 days. 30 days. Yes. Okay. That is why. 30 days. Uh-huh. That's why they say it's like rabbits. It they is. Keep going, I get it. Because as soon that's as. That's so interesting. That's, as soon as it happens, you got rabbits you coming. You have rabbits. Well, it's, I, in the lab, in graduate school, I, I you dealt with rodents, mice, and they're quicker. You know, um, it's like 17 days and you have little baby mice. And, and, and as soon as mom gives birth, she could probably get pregnant again. Have more rabbits. And have another 30 so days. So that's the thing. So, so it's and, spay and, and, and neuter. And do they, do they, can they interbreed? Like yes. they can, right? That Correct. was the problem with mice. If you didn't separate them quickly, Correct. you can have rat, like mice all around. Correct. Wow, that's so yeah. interesting. Yeah. So I'm a big advocate, spay and neuter your pets, including rabbits. Um, yeah. You do not want to have a litter of seven to eight every 30 days. No, you don't. Because then, then what happens, right? Then yeah. you get it. Right. Exactly. It's not See good. that? Mm-hmm. Um, so before we, before we close the, 
this this interview. Uh, for people that are interested in essay but want to learn more about it, where can they go to get more information? Sure, they just go to essay.org, E-S-S-A-E.org, um, and all of our information is there about our upcoming trade show and how to get in contact with us. All right, great. Well, thank you so much for joining the Get Over thank Podcast. You. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you.